Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. This is Erica Slater, and today I'm joined by Mary Simon and Megan Crow. Hey, ladies. Hey. Hey. So we were talking prior to recording today about the fact that when you are a litigator, on a weekly basis, you have wins and losses all week long. Now, is that unique to our profession? No. Does it become a unique situation when you are always in an adversarial setting? Yes. So because of the nature of our work, you know, you have a win on Monday and you feel completely high and everything's going great and you think you're the best attorney in the world. And then on Tuesday afternoon, you get an order from the judge granting a motion for summary judgment. Your case is gone. <laughs> you completely lost the argument that you were certain you were going to win and you feel like the worst attorney that ever walked to the earth. So today we're gonna talk about the idea of resilience when you have to move on from constant wins and losses. And when I think about this, I think there's a lot to be learned from like high stakes professional athletes. The best athletes that you know out there that you've heard of, and all I can think of is soccer players. So the David Beckhams, the Mia Hams, all the people that we look up to, the Michael Jordan, everyone. The thing that runs true is that people at that level, when they win or when they lose, never let themselves get too high or too low because being an athlete, training every day, staying in shape, having the mental and physical capacity to do what they do day in and day out requires that you keep focused that you think about the long game. And when things are great, when you win a trial, when you win the World Cup, when you win the NBA playoffs, that is great for that moment. But tomorrow, a new season starts. Tomorrow, the next case starts. Tomorrow, you might still lose a motion for summary judgment (laughs) (laughs) in a different case. Roller coaster. It is a roller coaster. And I think one of the important things for longevity in our profession and resilience is the mental fitness to not take any win or loss too personally. Don't let it speak to your ego too much, either in a bad way or a good way. And to keep carrying on throughout every storm and sunny day throughout our profession. So, Megan, when we are going through on a daily basis, win-loss, high at the beginning of the week, low at the end of the week, how do you get through that and stay mentally tough to get up and do it the next day? It's hard and it's practice and it's something that I think is easier at times and harder at other times. And But I think that there is something to be said for you know, just keep smiling through, fake it till you make it. When you were talking and you mentioned sports and sticking with the sports theme, something that came to my mind is when I was in my competitive cheerleading days, 
And I will not hear from haters who think that cheerleading is not a sport. But I was thinking back in those days, and I once had a coach tell me that if I touched down on a tumbling pass or something, then I looked dejected because I knew I messed up. And I had a coach tell me, you cannot let them see that you messed up. And so if you mess up, you cannot let it show on your face. You have to keep smiling and you have to move on immediately. If you keep thinking about your mistake and you don't go all out for the rest of the performance, then, you know, you let your team down. And if you are thinking about a mistake that you made in the first eight count of the routine and you let that go to your head when you throw your stunt and you mess up, then it will just keep tumbling over on itself. So I think it's important to pick yourself up, hopefully as quickly as possible, and move on. Acknowledge the mistake and know to learn from it next time, but you have to keep going. When you said your facial expressions matter in front of the judges, I'm like, wait, do we switch back to lawyering now or what are we doing? <laughs> right. It translates perfectly. It does. Yeah. It really does. I was thinking about this concept of resilience and this idea of moving on. And one of the reasons why I think it can be so difficult, but it's also necessary, is because of unpredictability. It is hard to be so resilient when things are unpredictable. I know I struggle with that because I'm such a control freak. I just am. I'm very type A. I like to have control over things at all times. And when things are unpredictable, it's harder for me not only to be flexible in unpredictable situations, but to have that resilience if something doesn't go my way or the way that I've prepared it to go as if I have control. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about times where things have gone my way as if I had a hand in it. Like, you know, all I can do is prepare and do my best. One example of how unpredictability, you know, made me practice my skill of moving on. It's actually kind of funny now looking back, which also tells me I shouldn't have spent any time thinking about it. It was the day before an award ceremony and I was getting a professionalism award and I was so excited and I hadn't seen people in person in so long and the event was being held in person and I was actually pretty excited about it, bought a new dress for it. And that morning, my husband tested positive for COVID. And as soon as I found out he tested positive, I knew that meant I didn't get to go to this award ceremony. And it was early in the morning. I was about to get ready. And I just knew, I think I even said out loud to myself, just accept it. There's nothing you can do about it. Just accept it, accept it and move on. Just accept it. I called Erica or I think I called or texted Erica to just say, I can't go. I'm just letting you know I can't go. And even saying it to somebody else, what the real circumstance was, helped me see the words and accept it. It was out of my control. But to Erica's initial point of just not taking things personally, I mean, it's literally not personal. There's nothing anyone could have done to avoid that. And I also love that Erica mentioned the word ego when it comes to moving on. I can't think of something more prevalent when in my head I want to go to an award ceremony so I can get an award in front of a group of lawyers. Like it's just the whole reason why I wanted to go is so I could feel some sort of affirmation by the other people in this room. And it just it was just like a prime example of accept it and just move on. And I did. And everything was fine, but it was that split second where I was like, you know, I just need to accept what's happening right now and move forward. And I like to think that in general, especially in our professions, you know, progress isn't linear. So being able to take each day as it comes and know that that day has an end and then the next day will begin also helps you to push forward. I don't think it can be overstated how important sometimes just getting it off your chest and telling someone else 
is. I totally resonated when you said that because sometimes when I'm sitting and I'm stewing in something and I'm all in my head about it and I go up and I take a lap around the office and I pop my head into someone's office and I say it afterwards, I'm like, this was so silly that I was stewing over this so much because I just said it and now it's not bothering me anymore. And often when you do that, especially as we talk about a lot, picking your audience, depending on who you tell, they probably have a really reassuring thing to tell you or can say something helpful about moving on. Mary, I remember the morning you texted us that you couldn't come and Amy and I were going to watch your award ceremony. I think my wife, Kristen, was coming to watch. I think she was too. Yeah, like just to see you get this award. And I was like, oh, well, that's a total bummer. Yeah. But I think I came back with like a five-point game plan, like with a choose-your-own-adventure, like if this happens, then this happens. If this, then this. Yes. And of course, I punted to Amy to accept your award. Of course. And I think I had you on FaceTime, right? Yeah, you did. You did. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It all worked out. You know, we've talked so much about what to do after losing, what to do after winning, you know, how to face certain obstacles when you're in a tiff with opposing counsel. And there are so many different strategies, what to do in real time. But what we're really talking about is what do you do after, right? After you come up with the perfectly crafted email in response to somebody's comment to you, or what's the first thing that you do, you know, after you lose the motion, not in real time when you're arguing, you know, you're losing, but what happens? How do you get to your next assignment, your next project that you're working on, your next case? One thing that I do that I think would be helpful to anyone who's listening, no matter your profession or no matter what side of the case you're on is to have a soundboard to talk to someone about it. I have been that sounding board for other attorneys, but it's really, really helpful to have somebody else remind you that the way that you're thinking about it is not actually the factual, objective view of what happened. Your thoughts aren't necessarily, when you're in that moment, they're not necessarily indicative of what is the reality of the situation. So it's helpful to kind of sit back when you think, oh, is that my fault? And it's good to do it when something goes your way too, because it helps keep you humble too. You know, what are all the things that I did? What other circumstances are at play? And look at the objective facts before you start stirring on something, Megan, to your point. It kind of gets you out of that spiral before you're in it too deep. Absolutely. Something that came to my mind when you were talking just now, I work with Johnny on a lot of cases. And so recently we had a big discovery dispute in this case. And we had maybe like six different discovery motions that were going on. We were fighting about. And I really thought that we were going to win and do really well in these motions. And we ended up losing. And it was really frustrating. But I think something that Johnny said to me is, What is the worst that happens here? Our deadlines get extended a little bit. Of course, we want to prevent that from happening. But if the worst that comes out of this loss is our case getting continued a couple of months, at the end of the day, the big picture, that's not the end of the world. That's not a huge deal, even though it's so disappointing. And and hearing it in that perspective was really helpful because I was really down on myself. I've been thinking about this case for weeks, just like after work, it comes to my mind and it bothers me. But then thinking about it in that perspective of, okay, this is still not the end of the world helps to move on. Yeah. And it seems like we're sort of creating a mini template of how to move on. And it sounds like the first thing we're all in agreement on is that you got to accept what happened. Of course, you know, you need to look objectively at the situation and that might help to have another person to talk about that with. And what's really funny is I've read about this concept of resilience before. And I know that one of a key theme that keeps coming up is 
Think about what's the worst thing that could come out of this tragedy that you're looking at, you know, that's a discovery dispute, right? So obviously circumstances can be different, but that was one I've read about before where you think about when you're in that kind of panic freak out of, oh my gosh, did I just make this huge mistake? It's like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? Three more weeks get added to this three-year-long litigation. Well, you know, not so bad. So that also helps too. Another situation that I think makes it really difficult is when it's something that you're not only struggling to move on from, but when it's something where you're trying really hard to also not take it personally, which I know we've talked about before, but I still struggle with this. It is sometimes hard for me to move on after I have a not so great communication with opposing counsel. And I don't know, I think ego comes into it a lot, you know, to be totally candid and, you know, as vulnerable as I can about it. It's almost like I don't want whatever that person thought to be how other people see me. Like I want to say something to justify how I view myself and how I want other people to see me. And it's, and I'm kind of putting my fist on the table, almost like a little kid. It's like this reaction that I have, but it's probably the healthiest for me to just move on if there's a communication that kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth when it's over. That one I'm still working on. So open to hear your suggestions for those because they <laughs> seem pretty commonplace in our profession and I just need to let it go. You know, here and there, I have an opposing counsel that, you know, we had an interaction or, you know, we're not getting along for some reason. And your gut reaction to everything is whatever they say, I want the opposite or whatever they ask me for, I want the opposite. And if you can check yourself in that and realize like a request from them or doing them a favor can really be a way to extend an olive branch and reset because they're expecting you to be difficult and to be disagreeable and to continue the interactions you've been having, especially if they've been poor. And if you can kind of reset that somehow and show some vulnerability or show some, you know, compassion to that attorney where the opportunity arises, it can sometimes disarm them. And you can get a reset. And as you are always good to recognize, sometimes that takes picking up the phone and saying, hey, I know you wanted to move that deposition. That's no problem. Let me be gracious and grant you that. Let's talk about a different date. And it could be a surprising interaction if you guys have, you know, disagreed on everything throughout the litigation or they've been particularly difficult. But it's a real way to diffuse kind of a difficult opposing counsel. And I found that kind of focusing on where and how you can disarm that person often leads to being the best thing for your client because it leads to being able to work with that person better and being able to move on and reset because every case you have is probably going to be a year to two to three years with that opposing counsel. So as much as you can focus on looking for that opportunity instead of stewing in the idea of like, I just don't like this person and I'm going to tell everyone I don't like this person, it may be a way to reset. And one aspect of this that's so beneficial in future interactions you have with, really, it's anybody. You know, obviously, we focus on opposing counsel, but don't burn bridges. It's always a good thing if when you are ready to put something behind you and move forward, you're not regretful about how you handled that situation. To Erica's point, offer compassion 
you know, we're talking about offering compassion to the person on the other side of the table from us. How about offering some to yourself as well? Sometimes I sit here and while we've been talking, all I've been doing is thinking about all the times where I've lost emotion or didn't ask that last question that I wanted to ask in a deposition. And how cool would it be if I spent as much time thinking about all the ways that I think I did something wrong? What if I also thought about all the ways that I did something right? This concept of not only compassion for the person on the receiving end of our communications, but also for ourselves, I think is probably, you know, just as important as acceptance, which is the first thing we talked about. You know, there is never a time where it's too late to let something go for yourself. Erica just spoke about how we are never going to get, you know, that internal feeling of worthiness anywhere but within ourselves. And to that same point, I don't think we're ever going to be able to move on from something if we haven't let ourselves go from it, if it's something that we thought we could have done better or we wish would have gone differently. The day that we can sit there and say, actually, you know, I'll do my own self-dialogue. Actually, Mary, you did everything that you could do and you're fine. And your case is going to have three more weeks added to it because of that discovery dispute, but you're good. And even just adding that dialogue just with myself is going to be as beneficial as it is to resolve, you know, a communication with somebody else that didn't go so well. And I encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast to take a second, think about whatever has been sitting on your brain for the last two weeks that keeps you up at night and just find a way to just let it go and put it behind you. Accept that it happened, good or bad, and know that you have it completely within yourself right now to acknowledge it and just move on from it. Let me add one more piece to that for whoever has to hear it. And this is probably my own self-projection because I struggle with sometimes I need permission to feel a certain way or do something a certain way. And I hate that. Oh my gosh, I like work so hard to work that out. It comes with age though, so I'm getting better. <laughs> you have permission to not beat yourself up about something. You have permission to say, I got that order. Like you said, Mary, it happened. It was bad. If I think about that order, it's not warm fuzzies, but I don't have to think about it again because beating myself up about it doesn't change it. But if you are able to process quickly like that, which we are all forced to do, that's what we're talking about, right? Processing quickly and moving on because the next thing's coming at you. If you can do that, then you can move on to the solution-driven, now what are we going to do about it? Because that order being granted the way it was, that doesn't mean you're a bad attorney. It doesn't mean you made a bad argument. If you forgot to cite case law that actually means you win, that you find later, there's a way to fix it. <laughs> you know, there's so much more to be gained from putting the energy into the solution to whatever happened poorly or energy to be gained from being encouraged and ignited by a win as opposed to sitting and patting yourself on the back for too long. <laughs> right. And you're never going to get there if you don't just right. move on from it. Right. Exactly. So you know, to the extent anyone needs to hear it, think of the world where you don't beat yourself up about something. You move on quickly because you understand it's part of the game and part of practice. 
There's a certain amount of grit your teeth and put your pride aside in that that can be difficult. Yeah, you know, while we've been talking, I wrote down two words. When I'm at the bottom of that roller coaster and I get a bad order or I have a crappy interaction with opposing counsel, I rely on grit and as much grit as I can muster. And I think that concept of grit, I know it's a little cliche, and I know millennials get a lot of trouble for not having it, but we do. You all know you do because you all lived through law school and got through it. And anyone else listening who's not a lawyer, whatever profession you're in or whatever daily struggles you have, recognize those. You have great. You can dig deep and understand your own worth without someone's outside perception or without internalizing a loss as meaning you are bad at what you're doing or you are a bad person. The other word I wrote down was humbleness, and that's what gets you through the wins. If when you are on your highest high, when you have won a big case, when you settled a big case, when you win a very exclusive award, remember to be humble. Remember the people around you that helped you to get there. Make sure to honor and thank your team and make them know that you are grateful for them. If you keep those two things in mind, grit and humbleness, then it'll help you stay steady. I love that. That was so inspiring. Well, let me leave (laughs) everyone with inspiration from what I regard as a higher power in some cases. Ted Lasso. All right. You know what the happiest animal in the world is? It's a goldfish. It's got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish. That's our advice to everyone today. I'm going to get you all a plaque for your offices that says that. Everyone be a goldfish and you will stay steady and get through those highs and lows. And we hope you have found some tools that you can use in your own life today from hearing our experiences and what we struggle with. And we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening. Amy, Liz, Erica, Mary, Elizabeth, and Megan would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts to comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law and subscribe today 